Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Welcome to This Miraculous Life, broadcasting and recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Oliveri Olumba, and this show is all about tuning in with the miraculousness of life and liberating yourself from all of the bullshit that gets in the way of that. I have a life coaching practice here in Washington, D.C., where we talk about how to create your most fulfilling, meaningful, satisfying life. And that is what this show is about as well, is creating that most meaningful, satisfying life that truly feels aligned with what life really is, which is a profound and miraculous gift and liberating ourselves from all of the BS that gets in the way of that. Just clearing it out the way, making sure that on a day-to-day basis, We are not bogged down in the bullshit, but rather that we give ourselves the opportunity to experience life in all of its glory. So I am here today again with Omari Francis and Chris Price. Thanks for being here again, guys. Thanks for being willing to continue this conversation with me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having us again. Yeah. I feel like suddenly we have a lot of time. Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very easy to be here. Uh, so we are continuing our episode from last week, which was about overcoming childhood trauma, which I think, you know, as we we're discussing prior to the show, is relevant for many, many, many people, maybe even most people. Uh, and... I think a lot of people are really struggling with whether it's even possible for them to be a fully thriving, fully healthy, fully emotionally healthy adult uh, in spite of the trauma that they experience as a child. And Omari was brave and generous enough to share some of his story with us last week which I thought was incredibly valuable and I had a number of takeaways so I want to I want to just reiterate what we've learned so far about overcoming childhood trauma and basically for me what what this series is about is demonstrating how it's possible demonstrating a that it is possible to be a healthy happy thriving adult even if you have experienced trauma as a child and even if that trauma was significant you know uh that that is possible do you guys agree chris omari i agree yes okay good so far so far so good (laughs) and then the second piece is how is that possible so if that's possible how does one get there how does one accomplish giving themselves access to a thriving adult life um, in spite of the trauma and the effects of the trauma that they may have to carry with them, grapple with, move through, etc. Because once we're an adult, 
you know, even though the the trauma that we experienced as a child is not our fault, navigating it and healing from it as an adult, when we become an adult, that does become our responsibility and, and we need to know how to go about doing that. Would you guys agree with that part? Yes. Okay, cool. So some of my takeaways from Omari last week of the how, how to move through and take responsibility for healing our trauma are, and and sort of my takeaway also was that the steps necessary for healing from trauma are not in a particular order. They just all need to get done, right? And, And that often it might be happening simultaneously or that it's sort of a dance, like one may happen and then you may return to the other one, etc. So some of my takeaways from last week that felt really important to me was, number one, being able to acknowledge and ultimately speak about the trauma that we have experienced and both being able to articulate it and which which is a way of acknowledging it to ourselves and then also being able to acknowledge and articulate that it has had an effect on us you know that it wasn't meaningless it wasn't free of impact you know it was it was influential so being able to say and articulate first to ourselves i think what the trauma was And then second, being able to acknowledge that that trauma did have an effect on us uh, and, and probably still does. And then perhaps at some point being able to speak that out loud to others, which gets into some of the other takeaways that stood out to me. So one of the other, so after being able to really articulate and acknowledge the trauma that we have experienced and that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't meaningless. It wasn't, it it didn't happen sort of in isolation and we were just shielded from it having any influence or effect on us. Being able to acknowledge what happened, but also being able to acknowledge and I see this sort of as extending empathy towards towards our own self, being able to acknowledge that it did affect us, that it was influential. And that both gives us space to move through the emotions that we have. You know, this is something just in general that I find to be one of the most important elements of digesting my own emotions is being willing to acknowledge my own suffering. You know, and that's not necessarily as it relates to childhood trauma, but just in general, all of us absolutely, I think, I don't know anybody who doesn't experience emotional suffering. And when I am able to acknowledge my own emotional suffering, um, it feels like something in me can release, you know, and instead of, it's almost like when I, if I eat a piece of food, if I don't acknowledge that the food has been eaten or something like that, it just kind of like sits in there. And maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. Maybe sometimes it hurts. Maybe sometimes I can't do this other thing because of it, but just kind of sits. And once I extend that 
empathy, that acknowledgement towards myself that I see my own suffering and I care about it, that's when I am able to feel like it's okay to digest and process the emotion and ultimately move through it rather than just carrying it with me in sort of the exact same form forever whether I am aware of it or not. Um, so I think that that process of extending sympathy or empathy towards ourself can be a painful process, but I also think that it can be one of the most liberating and healing things that we can do in life. Um, so articulating and acknowledging the effect of the trauma. And then the second big takeaway that I had is around acknowledgement of the shame that often comes with trauma and being aware that it exists but then once we are aware that it exists fighting back against it so whether that is having conversations with ourselves or having conversations with other people doing things that tell our brain that we are not less of a person because we experienced trauma or because we experienced abuse, that we are not a less valuable person, that our trauma does not diminish us in any way, that it doesn't, it's not a negative reflection of us or anything about us, but rather that it is something that happened to us that has probably had a profound effect or influence, but that ultimately the occurrence of the trauma or the abuse or you know all of the other things that can be included in trauma towards us has nothing to do with who we are and our value as an individual. And one way of sending that message to our brain is to talk about the trauma that we experienced with other people. And talking about it with other people is a way of indicating to ourselves that this is not some ugly part of us that we need to hide or that we should be ashamed of or that we shouldn't tell to other people because then they're going to look down on us or they're going to think less of us, but rather that talking about it is a way of us saying, you know, no matter what your reaction is, I know that I can speak about this because I'm still me. I'm still the equally valuable, amazing, precious me, even though this happened. This is a part of my life and even if you know that that happened. Is that, is that right, Omari? Am I getting that right so far? Yeah. I, I, yes, I think you're getting it. Okay. About right. Cool. So, so, that, so speaking it out loud is a way of sending the message to the brain that it's not something that diminishes us, diminishes our value as a person. Because if we're speaking about something, that means it's not something that we feel we have to hide in order to demonstrate our value. And then the second part of that, I think, was also that it can help to find people who you trust 
to have those conversations with who you know are going to react to you in a way that reinforces that positive narrative, that reinforces that when you open up to them about the trauma that you've experienced, that they are not going to look at you different. You know, they're not going to pity you. They're not going to see you as less than. They're not going to diminish. You're not going to be diminished in their eyes and that through their response, they will demonstrate that. So it's looking for those individuals who can help reinforce this narrative that you are trying to teach to yourself. Did I get that right? Yes. I I do want to add. Yeah, please add. I want to add that... um, it's not easy. Right. So it takes a lot of time and work and bad experiences. I think you have to build up like a level of strength and resilience. Resilience? Resilience? I think you can say either resilience or resilience. Yeah, I never, I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I think it's both and. Everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, yeah, because I think, and then even finding people, sometimes you'll be disappointed because you, mm. you find somebody that you thought would, uh, would support whatever it is that you're you're sharing yeah and then you get a response that doesn't feel good and i think that sometimes when don't when you don't feel well then that even if what they're saying makes sense you know that that's a message that maybe what they're saying although it may make sense and it may feel like this is what you should be doing or should be hearing Mm -hmm. it's probably not something that is helping you grow right um yeah. Right. So it's like even the people who are the ones that you think are going to help reinforce this narrative yeah. that your trauma doesn't diminish you in any way. Sometimes sometimes they don't get it right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not intentional. Totally. Because they this is what they believe and this is what they believe they think is the right thing or way to approach it. Right. Um, but you don't have to own what someone else thinks or believes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I really liked the the first part of that, you know, the two parts to sending the message to your brain that you can start to let go of the shame around the trauma and and send the message that you know that it doesn't diminish you as a person. I liked that you said both parts. One is that just talking about it sends that message regardless of how the other person responds because you're saying this is something that it like I'm taking ownership that this is something that I can talk about because I know that it doesn't diminish me right so I thought that that was really that was really valuable because I can see how people would often respond in a way that is unhelpful even if they are well-intentioned yeah I think there's another side of this yeah please um, Chris yeah, so I want to get in today to what's, what's, you know, what else, you know, in addition to all of those things, you know, let's talk about some more of the, the effects of trauma. I know last time we briefly touched on the need to achieve and kind of prove oneself. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more from you today, Chris, and as we build on the next steps to overcoming trauma. I don't, so like talking to someone to me feels like a leap, like a big jump. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily required because you can just trust yourself. You can write to yourself when no one like is going to too. read the that writing or you can right. talk to yourself in the empty room. Like, I think part of I feel like this sounds insensitive. I think I think part of the gift that an experience, a traumatic experience offers is 
um, it helped you clearly define what you want for yourself because you know what you do not want for yourself. So once you um, decide what you want for, for yourself, it's easy to take um, little steps in that direction if you remain open. So like um, the need to talk to somebody is very important. Um, and I love Omari for this because I think he became sensitive through his experiences, like wanting to have someone to talk to. Right. Okay. And then you give me so much value because I think you understand the value of having someone to talk to. So now I can always talk to you and you're always like a really good listener. Right. Um, yeah. But I, the, the point I wanted to make is that you don't even need anyone else. You can just do it to yourself. I find a lot of value in sitting still and, you know, right. affirming myself for whatever that's worth. Um, and it, it does make me feel a little bit better, even if it's just like one degree. Totally. Yeah, so I like that too, that it's not just about talking with other people, but perhaps the most important thing is talking with yourself. And now that you mention it, Chris, the way that Omari described talking to other people, it seems like talking with yourself would be a prerequisite to that. If you are to talk with other people with this knowledge that talking about your trauma is a way of owning that it's not something that you need to carry shame about or that diminishes you as a person. It seems to me like in order to get there, you would have already had to have had some pretty significant conversations with yourself. So I have friends going through traumatic experiences right now, like the loss of a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. when I hear them talk, it seems to me that they want to feel better. Mm-hmm. like right now. Right. And so that when they communicate that to me, it sounds like through the words they use that that's the only valid way to feel like much better mm-hmm. as opposed to just a little bit better day by day. And so like, I feel like they skip out mm-hmm. on the importance of just what can I do to just feel like a little bit better right. today. So like talking to yourself, I think works for that. Yeah, and I so you said some some things that we can do even prior to those conversations with other people are writing and just sitting you know, just sitting alone and talking to yourself, whether out loud or inside your head. Or just giving yourself whatever you feel like you need. So like if you feel like you're lacking love in your life, um mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to say, you know, I love myself, right? But yeah. what does that mean? Because right. anyone that's had like a parent or a guardian be um kind of callous, maybe like you sit with them and they're in their phone all day. So like, they're not even present. Yeah, You know what that means. And so you know that person loves you, but they're not necessarily showing. Right. So you can show that to yourself. If that means writing, I love, I love myself or writing, yeah. you know, I'm kind or whatever. There's, there's different levels to loving yourself. It's like you can love yourself in a way that you can feel. And I think as you start to do that, you start to feel a little bit better. And then you can make more decisions on how you feel even better. So it's just like, yeah. Can I ask you a question, Chris? Go ahead. Can you tell us how you show yourself love? Oh, yeah. I have a ritual. Great. I have a morning ritual. Can, will you let us in on the secret? Um, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really ridiculous because life has, like, made me really open. So, like, I'll come across a YouTube video and and someone does this. Or Oprah, she's big for me. Oprah does this. And I'm like, oh, let me let me try this, right? Yeah. So, like. Um, what about, I paid like an outrageous amount of money <laughs> to learn how to meditate. I went to a transcendental mm. meditation class. Awesome. Um, I meditate Good daily. Um, 
when I come out of my meditation, I pray. Um, and then I go through, through these like affirmations. And it's odd the way you grow the more you do that. Because before I started meditating, I didn't even realize I had anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many times I replay things in my mind. But when you're sitting there and you're focusing on your breathing, yeah. and you're like, why the hell do I keep having this thought for five yeah. minutes? I feel you. Yes. You, you realize I can that. can relate to that. Right. So like, and so like a 20 minute meditation might, I might sit there and say, you know what? Today I'm doing 35 until like I'm a little bit more still. Yeah. So that's a way that I can feel like the medit. When you sit there and meditate, I, it, meditation is the funniest thing to try to explain to someone why it has value for you mm-hmm. it's just it's just really it's, it's almost impossible but the practice to me is sitting there being kind to yourself because you're going to feel anxious in five minutes and you're going to want to get up right but you're it, then you're going to have to say to yourself i deserve mm-hmm. 15 minutes out of my day 20 minutes out of my day to myself so right. so in that moment you're being kind to yourself you're giving mm. yourself um a certain kindness and i think the more you practice that the easier Right. It becomes a practice that like throughout the day. So um, so just giving yourself that time, that stillness, that meditation is a way of extending kindness and kind of being generous with yourself with your own time and saying, I mean, something that I like about meditation or sitting or stillness is that it's a way of sending the signal to the brain that you don't have to be always doing or achieving or improving something in order to have value and have worth. It's kind of a way of sending the message to your brain that it's okay to just exist. And just by existing, you do already have value. I, I think there's a lot of ways, man. I, I, I kind of like are, I'm in awe of people who are disciplined in their workouts. Yeah. Because it, it's very tough in this world, that's like uh, me and them, we talk about this. I say it's a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, you get caught up in that and you're just going. Yeah. So to carve out a moment in time and say, this is for me and no yeah. one else. I think that's very powerful. So like, it's, it's very, it's a very simple step, but it, it's definitely a step that I can feel that I love myself differently than I did yeah. 10 years ago. And I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Because I thought loving yourself was just like have a good self image of yourself or something like that. Like, right. So there's, what is the difference? What do you now understand as how has your understanding of self love evolved? Help us evolve with you. I think, um, it's just, uh, like the, the, the little choices you make that are different when you love yourself a little bit better. Like mm. you, it, they're very easy to not notice if you're not paying attention um, Can you give an example? I, I, my father is one of my biggest challenges. Like I love him. Yeah. But like before the show, you were talking about how your parents are very open. Mm-hmm. My father, through his his version of love, he had like a clear path for how my life should turn out. Right. Right. Um, right. And I get it because that's what you know. This is right how life works and this is what's good so he thought that yeah. that was what would be best right. for you so yeah. his version of love is let me help chris create this thing that yeah. i envisioned right right the more i've learned to love myself not only did i give myself an my own vision but mm. i also 
gave myself the courage to tell him, like, mm. your vision for me isn't what I need, but that's okay. Like, hell yeah. Yeah, it's so. It, Chris, I feel really proud of you right now. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole nother step. Because, like, my brother, we grew up in the same household. My brother, I should, I should have made up a name and not said my brother. I don't know. Anybody <laughs> knows my brother? <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he would, he just always did this, but he never communicated it to my father. So it's like, mm. his way of doing it was like, I'm going to do me. Right. I'm going like, to listen to you like tell rebelling. me. Yeah, but I'm going to do me behind my back. Right. And I always, I, I sincerely admire that yeah. because I was, my father was like, go to the military. Okay, I'll go to the military. I didn't have to think for myself. I just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always did what he wanted to, but like he listened. So this practice of loving myself is like, okay, I love me and I love him. Yeah. So I have to allow him to know me. Right. So it like mm. we can just skip out on me misleading you. I'm going to give it to you as it is. But until I built that resolve within myself, I couldn't give it to him. I have a question again. How did you get to know yourself? I don't think I did. I feel like I'm just open to learning myself every day. I, I don't I don't I don't know if there's like a place you arrive at. Right, sure, not a destination. I guess let me rephrase the question. How has your knowledge of yourself evolved? You know, you said you have to not only get to know yourself, but you have to also let you know me. And I think a lot of what you just said, the reason why I was so inspired when you said that you as your self love evolved you were able to have more clarity about what you want for your own life and not just sort of take action on that and take ownership of that, but also to communicate that to your father. And you know the way I interpret it is lovingly set boundaries with him. And I don't think, I think a lot of people do not ever get to that point because they don't they don't fill in the sort of gaps of information, you know, where they have what their parents or society or whoever influenced them to say this would be the best path for your life. And then they may feel some discontent or feel like something's missing from that or feel, you know, just that empty feeling like I'm not loved for who I truly am or regardless of what I decide that I want for myself but they never quite get to the place of having a better understanding of how they might be living their life if that was not part of the equation you know if those if those other influences if other people's expectations they're kind of sad that people have those expectations and those influences, but they're not able to generate anything else. So what I'm wondering is how did you get there to be able to generate something else where you realize, you know, in the absence of what my father envisions for me, this is what I envision for myself. We had a guest on our show on Window Seat and Full Service, and... Chris Ernest, I forgot what he what he calls himself though. Ernest, yeah, I I know his actual name, but he gives himself a title. And um, one of the things Chris told me was, "You have to do what works for you." Um, And that 
that works for me because I grew up in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. So if Christianity doesn't work for me, I can bang my head up against this wall and keep going back to Christianity. But um, I just found little things, meditate, you know, just little things that work mm-hmm. for me. So to, to answer your question, um, affirmations for me definitely work. And they worked in a way that's like, I think of it almost like being on a scale, a degree. Mm-hmm. I might have started out at negative five. Mm-hmm. And that negative five required me lying to myself daily. Right. And if that's what it required, like I might have said, you know, I love myself. And this is just an example. And maybe I really didn't. I didn't feel those feelings. Right. But if you do it for two weeks, it's a little easier to lie, lie to yourself at the two week mark than it was you know, two mm. weeks previous. And if you keep lying to yourself, you start to believe you it. You start to believe it. <laughs> and then after a while, it's like, it's like that. And you, that energy just continues to grow. But what I think what hurts for a lot of people is they don't even give themselves the ritual. Like they yeah. do it once and they don't feel the effects. Like, so they I don't, don't believe yeah, it. So they don't come back to working. it. Yeah. If you do it, if you keep doing it after a while, you will surprise yourself. You will find yourself speaking up when you didn't normally speak up. Mm. It, it's just like part of um, my affirmations. Um, I say to myself, um, I love myself. And then mm. I also say to myself that I'm okay with someone like else not loving myself. Mm. Like, like I allow them to feel different. Hell so, yeah. Um, I think, um, yeah, me and him talk about this stuff all the time. Like when I, when this last show where I said, this is, you know, we do a lot of spiritual growth together. We read a lot of books. We end up having a lot of discussions about the thing. So yeah. we've had this conversation a million times. I think for me, asking myself questions, yeah. right? So if I believed I liked to do something or wanted to do something um, and I didn't have like necessarily a positive feeling about it, but it was just a, a thing like, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm neutral or indifferent. Um, it got, I got to a point where I started to ask myself why, right? Just simply like, why do I like this? Mm, and great and question. Then, and then it would, and then it would, you know, I would answer that, and then I would challenge that, and challenge that, and then eventually you get to the root of it. And then you, I start to ask myself, well, do I like this? Right. Well, and why am I doing it? Why do I do it? And then, and then you, and then you answer those Love questions, and then you discover it's like, do well, I really like yeah, it? Or not? And it's yeah. like, and you know, maybe I'm doing it because it's what everyone else does, or what right. what would I be doing if I didn't do this? I'd be, you know, instead of going out with my friends, like I, I'm gonna be alone. Like I don't want to be alone, right? Or right. why do I? Whatever it may be, right? You just understanding why you're doing it, and even if you can do continue to do it, you get to a point where you're not lying to yourself anymore. Yeah, you're clear about why I'm doing this thing. So if I am, you know. Uh, going out every Friday night. It's because all of my friends are going out. Not necessarily because I enjoy going out, but it's I don't. I would rather not sit at home alone. Right. You know. I know what it may. The perception of me may become if you know I don't uh, participate in certain things, or mm-hmm. if I if I go against the grain, or if I say things that may be out of um, you know what's socially acceptable to say right. or take a position. I understand what the response is going to be. So if I'm if I'm saying these things, I know that I'm saying this because I don't want yeah. X. Yeah. But I can still be honest with myself, and I think 
the more you're honest with yourself, it becomes more uncomfortable for you to do things that you don't really want to do mm. or say things that you don't really think or believe. So, so then, true. Then you may get to a point where you're just silent. That's so true. And then you may get to a point where you're distancing yourself. Right. And then you may get to a point where you're honest. Totally. And then, you know, with that honesty, you're, you're, you're stronger in because you recognize that, well, if I'm doing this because of all of these reasons and not necessarily because I want to. Yeah. It's a strong chance that most of the people out here are mm. also doing things because for that reason. And then what they say and what they think carries a lot less weight right. because, one, you are beginning to learn who you are. Mm-hmm. And so no one can now influence you by telling them, telling you what you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to think or who they think you right. are. And then, you know, they, they just it's, it's harder for someone to uh, influence you, who you are, right. what you think. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a great point. I remember when I was starting to realize what my personal demons were. Uh, In other words, the values that I place importance on that do not actually serve me well and usually have a lot to do with external validation. Mm -hmm. And then I would start to notice myself doing things that that I was doing really just to satisfy those demons and I would start to get headaches mm. because I could see, I was like at a point where I could see myself doing it, but I wasn't at a point where I felt willing or able to not do it. But it gave me, like you said, this, this really uncomfortable, anxious feeling and that was not cool. And for a while, I wish that I just wasn't aware at all. <laughs> but then it did. Like eventually it evolved where I could feel like I didn't need to do either. I didn't need to do the things that I knew were fake, you know, or that I was only doing from that place driven by my desire for validation or to satisfy my ego or to make sure that I'm like earning or proving my worth. A, I might not have felt the need to do those things as much or more willingness to not do those things. And B, when I encountered a situation where I did feel diminished or inferior or whatever the feeling is that challenges my demon, uh, I didn't ruminate on it quite as much. You know, it didn't, it didn't, it made, it made me feel uncomfortable with my sense of self-worth for a few hours rather than like a few weeks where I'm like lying in bed at night thinking, how do I fix, how do I fix this mistake that I made or this person's perception of me or, you know, this public failure? Uh, Because once I, you know, but the time before I realized that those things were demons that I looked to to get my sense of self-worth, that was like pretty blissful. (laughs) Because I was just like doing all the shit that I needed to do to keep my sense of self-worth just happily fed with constant validation and fixing situations that invalidated me. And then when I realized that I was doing it, then I began to feel very, I felt uncomfortable because I, I basically had no good option anymore. I could either do it and know that I was doing it to validate myself, 
or I could not do it and feel kind of worthless or inferior, both of which caused me anxiety and headaches. But through being aware of that and then consciously starting to make an effort to change my choices or to know, okay, you feel inferior, but you feel inferior on a criteria that you know doesn't actually diminish you, even if you don't feel that way, cognitively you believe it, then eventually the headaches and and the anxiety started to get better over time. So I appreciate that that explanation, Omari. I can relate to that. So, So my takeaway so far from what Chris has shared, number one is that it's not just important to have conversations with other people about the trauma that you've experienced and, you know, your how it affects you, how you feel about it, how you want to integrate it into your understanding of yourself, what you want to do with it in your life, how you want to navigate it emotionally for yourself. It's not just about having conversations with other people. That's important. But it's also just as important, maybe even more important to have those conversations with yourself. And you can do that by writing. You can do that by talking to yourself. You can do that by meditation, but you that you have to find ways to talk to yourself and to understand your own experiences for yourself and how you want to navigate and interpret those experiences. Another thing that was really important that I took away from what you said, Chris, is that it is essential to integrate practices into your life that teach you and reinforce self-love and those practices from what I understand of what you what you said could really be anything where you're setting aside time on a daily basis that you say this is this time is for me and and for nobody but me and for you meditation is something that has worked really well Um, and really powerfully, but you acknowledge that there can also be other ways of setting aside time for oneself. And that sometimes what you're doing with that time while you're doing it, it's going to feel inauthentic. It's going to feel like you're lying to yourself. You're going to be repeating a mantra or an affirmation that your brain is like, that ain't true, you know, but you just keep saying it to yourself. And then eventually it may start to feel more true. Uh, and, and the way that I kind of interpret that is if you're saying an affirmation to yourself daily, like I love myself and that doesn't feel true, maybe the affirmation doesn't feel true, but the fact that you are setting aside time daily to remind yourself that you love yourself or to try to tell yourself that you love yourself, just setting aside that time every day is evidence that you do love yourself because if you didn't love yourself you wouldn't be doing that shit you know you wouldn't even be trying you know what i mean right like so you're not what was my favorite part that she said you wouldn't be doing that shit like i love cuss words <laughs> so, so mature it's like you're not you're not sacrificing the time like before you would put other things before yourself, but now you're saying, no, I'm important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think me and you talk about this, Amari, all the time, uh, just like taking ownership 
and stop and not giving other people the power that you can give yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like this funny thing happens in your mind, right? You have a thought and you like validate a thought or you pick a thought. But what what's happened as I've tried to own more things, Yeah. Um, I can pick what I want to give myself. I literally can say, you know what, I'm not feeling very kind today. Mm-hmm. And I can just give myself more kindness. I can pick mm-hmm. kinder thoughts. And so like all of that stuff, while it sounds really, really ridiculous, and I think Chris five years ago would have heard it and been like, yo, what the hell are you talking about? It actually works if you do it over time. Like, right. Like if you just continue to do it, it just works. Absolutely. And the other thing that the last thing that you said that I thought was a powerful piece of the equation is in addition to having conversations with yourself and setting aside time for yourself on a day to day basis as an investment in self-love. The last thing that I heard, which I think is something that relates with what I was just sharing about the self-worth and getting validation and feeling uncomfortable when I'm not getting it is that you specifically practiced saying, I love myself and I also have space and accept if other people feel differently. Yes, important part. Can you tell me a little bit more about that step? How, how, how can I get better at that? It's an important part because like, <laughs> my friends give me so much crap because like, my style is like homeless, right? Like, so like, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. It's just what I like, but it's easy to walk in a room and people are like, yo, what the, what, what, what are you doing? But I just go back to that affirmation yeah. all the time. Like I, I appreciate yeah. it. Like it's cool that you don't. Right. Um, and it, it just helps. It helps everywhere. I, I I heard my stepmom recently say to me, she was like, you're the person that least cares about what people think to, uh, about you. And I'm like, me? Like, you think that of me? <laughs> like, it's not real, but I think... But it might be real. Yeah, I think... I, and you, you move the needle every day. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps. That That's in a very important part. For me, I didn't come up that, with that myself. The affirmations I found, I found through a YouTube video. And um, I listened... Mm-hmm. to a couple of different ones. And I found the one that I felt like was saying the most important stuff to me. Right. And so, like, I essentially will play that video mm-hmm. and repeat what I'm hearing. And sometimes my brain gets lost. Sometimes the very first affirmation I'm, like, sitting on. Yeah. But that's okay for me. So, like, I'll, you know, if I have to repeat that to myself, that's what... The, I feel like my body is taking what it needs. So if the affirmation is... 20 different things and I, I stop at five and mm-hmm. my I keep replaying five then that's what I need for the day and I just right. like give it that space right. right so let me ask you this and I know we have to wrap up in just a minute but just because I feel like that last point about giving yourself love and then also giving space for other people to feel differently and that not taking anything away from your love for yourself uh, I think that's a really important one that I think most people struggle with to some extent. I know that I do. Um, When you were first starting that practice, for instance, how did you coach yourself or work with yourself? What did you do in the example that you gave? If you walked into a room with this style that you appreciate, you like the way that you dress, and people were like, yo, Chris, what are you wearing, man? You 
you you look a mess, whatever. However people would react neg- negatively, how would you grapple with that? How would you coach yourself? How did you get to a place where you could feel more comfortable with that and extend yourself that, that love and also extend other people more complete acceptance if they feel differently? I do not know. I wish I had an answer for that. I, okay. That's I, I, I feel like I keep going back to the same thing because... I feel like that is genuinely what moved the needle for me. It, I mean, that was just my practice. I looked at people who I admire from a distance, mm-hmm. and they had things that they were saying over and over again. I would hear the same people say the same thing. I heard Russell Simmons say he he does yoga and he meditates. I heard Oprah saying she meditates. I yeah. heard Eckhart Tolle saying he meditates. And there's like all these people who have some level of peace that yeah. I want for myself, and they all had the same ingredients. Mm. So. You know, I basically just copied off the people who had this thing that I wanted. Mm. Um, and for you, that was meditation. Right. So, like, one of the things was meditation. And, I, you know, if you do a little bit more research, you'll see a lot of people say they have affirmations. And they'll say that they have morning rituals. And so, like, these same words just kept hitting over and over again. Um, and what were the words? Rituals, one of them. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Super Soul Sunday. So, like, she has... Uh, Oprah Winfrey's uh, podcast, Super Soul Sunday. And so she has a bunch of different guests on and they, they just, you just heard the same things over and over. That meditation for me, while it didn't make sense, I knew it was something I wanted to try. And I knew it was something that I wanted to give a real effort into, to like feeling what other people were describing, not just um, do it once and say it doesn't work for me because it's, that's very easy to do. So, um, what would your advice be for someone who would like to get the benefits of meditation but feel like they are not, quote unquote, good at meditating or they just can't, they, they, they can't sit still? I would say find a group. So we live in Washington, D.C., and mm. there's a group that meets at a tea shop on U Street um, maybe once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I do think it's very important to find someone who knows what they're doing to introduce you. So like if you have a bad experience the first time around, try someone else. But if you give it good effort, um, something may come from it for you, but something may not. Like, and, and like that's the beauty of it. There's something out there that works for you. It may not be meditation. It may not be yoga. Right. But if I, I feel like if you make it important to yourself that, you know, feeling good is important to me. Um, being strong is important to me. Whatever. Whatever is important to you and you are open to finding ways that like support that. I, I just what I've learned is you will find some way to like. Right. And hopefully it's not alcohol or anything like that. <laughs> like outside of those things. Yeah. That yeah, might, you know, that might yeah, be a little counterproductive. Yeah. You know when you're treating your body bad. But like if you look for it, I, I, it's just my belief you'll find it. Mm. I, awesome. I, I think um, we have a problem with how we measure progress or success. Yeah. And so we want, if we say, I want to be, I want to feel peaceful and you meditate for 10 minutes and you, don't. the whole time you, you, <laughs> you find like you're, you're thinking and having these thoughts. And then afterwards you're like, I don't feel any better. Right. You may even feel worse. You may even feel worse. Yeah. It's like, well, this doesn't work. Right. But you know, it, it does work. Right. right. But if you only do it once or twice, nothing works if you only right. did it once or twice. Totally. And most things, you know, that we're trying for the first time. We aren't necessarily good at, but something like meditation, there is no measure of success, right? right? There is no, 
I'm doing this right right or well. It's just, you know, you set a goal. And then once you feel like you've reached that goal, you haven't, it's not over. Right. Like these, this is a practice that people um, do throughout their lives, right? There is right. no, there is no end point. And if you want to feel peaceful for a, you know, a long period, this is something you have to practice over a long period. Like right. it's not, yeah, like, you know, you, you use it or lose it kind of thing. And like we were talking about before, I think with a lot of things, as we draw awareness to them and evolve, things actually get worse before they get better. And that doesn't mean that it's not working, but it also doesn't mean that the, the next phase, like if you're not willing to go through that phase of things feeling more uncomfortable, then you might not be able to get to the phase where things start to feel better and more comfortable i think that's often the problem it's like we don't want to feel the discomfort so we do all these things to avoid it totally but if you want like eventually it's going to get worse because you have to go through it you have to deal with it but once you get comfortable dealing with those things and going through the discomfort then you know when you see it again and you feel that discomfort rising you don't you're not like all right i'm gonna run from it you build that confidence that all right i'm gonna deal with this you realize it's not that bad right Right. You realize it's not that bad or you realize, I mean, I think for me, as I was sort of taking on my demons, um, and again, for me, the way that I think about demons is that they're my criteria that I look to to validate myself, validate my worth. As I was taking those on, I wasn't so really necessarily happy that I was doing it, but I knew that it was too late. Like there was... There was no option to go back. Yeah. <laughs> that was I had no no other choices. Um, so let's summarize from today. This was super helpful, and thanks so much for sharing your experiences, Chris. My takeaways from today are that in overcoming trauma in general, but particularly childhood trauma, it's important to number one talk to yourself, uh, have conversations with yourself. Set aside time to reflect on your own experiences, what they mean to you, what you want to do them, how you want to integrate them into who you are and who you're becoming. And that can look like writing, journaling. It can also look like sitting and talking to yourself or meditating on your experiences. Uh, The second one that I take away is the importance of setting aside time for yourself and being intentional that that is what the time is for. And maybe that time is used for meditation. Maybe it's used for some something physical. Maybe it's just used for sitting, breathing, whatever the time is used for. Maybe it's used for affirmations. And the important thing isn't necessarily that you feel that whatever you're using that time for is quote unquote effective or that it's working immediately or even that it makes you feel better but just simply that you are setting aside the time and you're willing to continue setting aside the time for yourself. And and I think that that subconsciously sends a very powerful, I don't, to me, it's not even the affirmation that if we just say it over and over enough times, we start to believe it. I think it's that our brain thinks like, damn, okay, if I'm willing to keep saying this to myself day after day after day and I don't even feel it, then I must really love myself because I'm like trying real hard here, you know? So to me, it sends that that subconscious message. Uh, And then 
The third thing is being able to try practices where you are having actually I'm I'm forgetting what did I say the third thing was before? Do you guys remember? Mm-mm. I Oh, I, I know what it was. I remember. I remember. Okay. It was it was teaching yourself that I love myself and having space and practicing having space for others to feel differently. And I think that that last point really relates with what all of us are sort of uh, implicitly bringing into the conversation about how it's painful and uncomfortable and difficult when some aspect of ourself is rejected or judged or received negatively and how that can inhibit our feeling of self-love, but that accepting that other people are going to feel differently. There are going to be times when we don't feel as good as or when we don't fit in or people have a reaction to us that doesn't feel good to us, that that is going to be happen. That's going to happen. And that preparing for that and embracing that has to be part of the journey of self-love. It has to be integrated. And so not just verbalizing that to ourselves, but also taking actions that demonstrate to us that it's okay if other people don't love us the way that we love us, such as that can be wearing an outfit that we like and we know that other people aren't going to like so much or saying an opinion that that we feel is true to us that is not necessarily going to make us fit in with the group that we're in or to what Omari was talking about earlier in last week, speaking our story and not feeling diminished even if somebody else reacts differently. So these are my my takeaways from today for overcoming childhood trauma, but also I think today even it can just be about overcoming trauma in general, I think can be relevant to anyone in any type of trauma. Did I miss anything, Chris and Omari? I would just say be patient with yourself and and make the choice to be kind to yourself. Like, make that an actionable thing. Awesome. Um, I, I would say, we keep talking about self, and I think that's important. I think everything that Chris said was just about you. Yeah. And stop looking outside of you yeah. for anything. You know, everything you have is in you. And if you give yourself the time and space and love, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Love it. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a miraculous day.